Welcome. It's Wednesday night, I think. That's right, isn't it? Welcome to the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffiths. It's Wednesday, right, Britt? I, I should check the calendar before we start the program each day, because when I open my mouth and start talking about it, I'm never quite sure if I've got it right. Everybody give me a head nod. Is it, is it Wednesday? Wednesday? I thought... I thought yeah. <laughs> okay, there it is. Oh, Monday. Right. I've got confirmation. So if I'm wrong, you're all wrong. Perfect. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. We've got Vince and Drew with us. Thanks to both of you for being here. Vince, been a little while. I don't remember you having a sure. beard like it that is. last time. Is this No Shave November no. extended into December? Is that what's going on? <laughs> this is, this is as we call it in upstate New York, this is hunting season. So uh, I'm all... I'm all ready to go. Nice. You look I've like, been ready to go. Yeah, yeah, you look like you're ready to yeah. go for sure. Yeah. Drew, good to see you. Did I get your your handle right there, Drew Thomas Allen? Is that right? I can't couldn't remember as I was writing it, typing it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right. But you haven't complimented the fact that I drug some chairs oh, into this. this. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. We are no longer in the gulag. That's really impressive. <laughs> a nice plant. A fern. Is that a fern? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's literally, I did this for you. Well, I fully appreciate it. That's funny. It really looks good, too. I, I, you've got quite an eye for decoration, so that's excellent. Hey, everybody, JV here. Please take a minute and consider supporting the program. Our expenses are going up just like everyone else's, and it takes a lot to bring the show to you five nights a week. So we'd appreciate you going to the website, independencegang.com. Click on the Donate tab, or you can just type in independencegang.com slash donate. And spend a minute considering giving us a gift to help us fund our operations here. The Independence Gang is a labor of love, but there are expenses associated with it, and we appreciate your help. We're going to get started tonight with... Uh some video because Joe Biden spoke again today. He's out on the uh, what we call the campaign trail for his Build Back Better agenda. He's also trying to combat some of these poll numbers, which if you are paying attention to any of this, you're seeing how dismal his performance is, according to Americans that are, are answering poll questions anyway. And his uh, his vice president is faring even worse but he's under he's I think he's upside down on everything. There was a while there where he was above water on COVID, but that has changed. So I think on every metric that they're they're using to judge this stuff, he's he's underwater by a significant margin, especially when you look at what the independents are thinking. Vince, I don't know if you want to comment on that at all before I jump into these videos. You keep an eye on this stuff. Yeah, sure. Um from the from the standpoint of polling, I mean, it's you don't need to be a uh, you know a, a seasoned pollster to figure this one out. His numbers are horrible, uh, and they're and, and no one likes what he's doing. They don't they don't think he's doing a good job. His job approvals in the tank, his favorabilities in the tank. Uh, it, it really, I, honestly, I there's always going to be some sort of baseline number you're always going to get, and he's almost there. I mean, so so statistically it's like zero you know you, you all the people who like you are going to like you and that's it no one else likes you um so that's a that's a rough place for him to be in but uh not a surprise either though yeah and what we're going to see today is going to underscore why americans might be thinking what they're thinking i really didn't intend to cut anything out of this uh this speech today any of these video clips but as i'm watching this and you know that I've been pretty aggressive in pulling clips out that demonstrate Biden's uh, uh, lack of acumen, his his deteriorating mental 
condition because I think it's important people know what's happening, what their president is and isn't capable of. Uh, but when I watched this today, I thought this is the worst one yet. Uh, these speeches get worse and worse by the day. And uh, let's just take take these on and chat about them. Um, one of the first things he addressed was gas prices. He's trying to change the narrative because Americans are feeling a lot of pain when they go to fill up their gas tanks or even their uh, home heating bills. It doesn't matter where the energy is all basically coming from the same places and it's all significantly more expensive. But this is what Biden said today. Today, the average price you're paying here in Kansas City is below $2 a gallon, $3 a gallon, it's down to two ninety dollars a gallon, 20% down from cents for, from a month ago. All right. So first of all, he's, you know, he's all over the place with the numbers, uh, but he's, he's talking about it being down, you know, pennies, basically. I remember, Drew, when Donald Trump left office in my little village of Cooperstown, New York, Vince is also from the area here, uh, gas at the, or the price of gas at the gas station, a couple doors down from me was $2.11 a gallon. It's three sixty nine now. So two or three cents here or there really isn't going to make much of a difference. No, of course not. But I mean, the stupidity of, you know, look, they they are indefensible in what they've done to this country and our economy, right? Since Biden has uh, seized the Oval Office. And the idea of their mathematical calculations, right, uh, is that, okay, well, we come into office and we raised gas prices by, I'm just making up a number. Let's say we raised it by $2, and then there's one day where it comes down two cents and they say, look what we've done. We've lowered gas prices two cents. I mean, this is the absolute insanity and stupidity of these people. Oh, we raised it $2, but now it's down two cents. Who believes this crap? Yeah, I don't think uh, Americans are buying it at all. In fact, I think that they're frustrated with the fact that the administration, whether it's Saki or Biden himself or Granholm, are all gaslighting us on these topics. They they think if they say it enough, somebody's going to end up believing them, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And I think they're they're wrong about that. Here's something else, Britt, that Biden said about gas prices that I thought was really, really peculiar. Listen to this. We're making progress. We're going to keep at it to ensure the American people are paying their fair share for gas. What is their fair share for gas, Britt? What would that be? Well, I mean, if you listen to that whole that whole quote, he follows it with not being gouged because he thinks the oil companies are gouging everybody. Huh. Um, and the reality is they're not gouging everybody. They're just trying to survive under the regulations and the lack of supply that he has created. Um, but they're grasping at straws. Let me show you my fair share. This is just two day, three day, three days ago, I think. Five oh nine is what I paid for a gallon of diesel fuel. Five oh nine. That's five dollars and nine cents. Now, Brett, that's five hundred and nine pennies. Let me ask you a question yes? about that picture. I'd asked you before about the sculpted uh, hedges there. If all gas stations right. in California are so luxurious, they have sculpted uh, hedges. Uh, you answered that question. My second question is: Is the sign tilted, or are you tilted when you took that picture? Uh, I was probably tilted because I was driving by <laughs> okay. at probably thirty miles an hour, trying to grab the shot as I was rolling through the intersection. Okay, I know. I I, I live on the edge when I drive. Okay, but uh, they're trying to be excited over a few pennies coming down. They're grasping everything. Is you know what? They are Leslie Nielsen in front of the blowing up plane, burning building, saying, nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> nothing. Well, everything, 
everything that he has touched, his administration is doing, his ID. I mean, let's be real. Biden ain't doing shit. It's the ideologues that are within his administration, the hardcore leftists. Everything they've touched has failed. This is an abstract, abstract lesson. Is it abstract, right? Abstract lesson and that leftism, leftist, none of their ideas work. They all end up in fire, pain, and misery for the population. That's what we're learning here, this particular administration. Leftism does not work. What I learned here is that Brit is a real fan of the airplane movies because uh, you used yes. an air for airplane reference the other night about sweat, you know, like the pilot in airplane with all the, mm -hmm. the sweat pouring off him. And you just used yes. a, another reference here with Le Leslie Nielsen. So anything you want to share? Do you, is this like, do you like all airplane movies or just the original one? Um, I like a lot of them. I mean, they were funny. I mean, come on. Yeah, they're good. It's movies. airplane. They're good. No, they're they're absolutely excellent films. Okay, I mean, all right. You know, I was just granted. Saying. I was 13 years old when I saw them, and you still remember those scenes? Nice. Uh, let's talk about uh, this particular quote, Vince, because. I have two questions about this one. It's a little out of place in the, in the midst of all of these, but I just thought it was weird. First stated, by the way, I might specifically point out, specifically built for women's soccer. <laughs> I was able to see him win the Olympic anyway. It's a long story. But. Okay, so two things. First of all, he's talking about a stadium in, I think, I think it was St. Louis, wherever he was. Kansas City, I'm not sure, uh, that was built specifically for women's soccer. Okay, that's fine. Um, but in case, well, for this administration is doing more to undermine women's sports than any administration in history. And I'm going to give you a case in point before you before you take this on. We just had this news story come in of a UPenn uh, transgender swimmer who had competed as a man in the men's swimming team in, at UPenn for three years and for their... I guess senior year, if, if I'm doing the math correctly, decided that they were female and now competing on the female team. This swimmer shattering women's swimming records because this swimmer is a man. Now, this swimmer identifies as a female and the NCAA rules say that they can do this. But Vince, this will effectively destroy women's athletics at every level. It definitely would. Uh, I mean, you know, how is that? How is that fair to the non-trend, uh, the non-transgendered female athlete who's been pretty much probably to be at that level at a D one college sport in any in any way has probably spent the last ten to twelve years of their life completely dedicated to training and 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 becoming a, a, a division one athlete in their sport and now you have someone who who i'm going to identify as female and jump jump from the men's to the women's team and kick the shit out of everybody i just i i and and for for all of the progress that's been made and, and i'm gonna sound like a i'm gonna sound like i'm on the left for a second here for all the progress that's been made with title nine to make sure that there was equity between men's and women's sports in you know in college this throws it all out the window doesn't it i mean how do you have how do you how do you have any equity for for women if they can't compete against other athletes who are you know at their same level if you will or you know of the of their same well, of their same sex, uh, you know, from a, from a genetic standpoint, I don't, I, I just, I don't see it. It's definitely going to have, a, I think, a huge impact on on college sports. And I think, I, I think, it, again, if it's if it's starting to have the the impact now on college sports, how far are we till it has that impact on pro sports? Right. Yes, and it's having an impact on Olympic sports. I'm going to replay the end right. of this 
clip again, Drew, because I want to ask a different question. For women's soccer. I was able to see him win the Olympic anyway. It's a long story, but okay. So first of all, in case you missed it, this is what he ended that sentence with. Oh I don't know God. what that face is, but <laughs> man, that's the president <laughs> of the United States. But more importantly, yes. Drew. More importantly, he starts to tell a story there at the end about something about he was able to see somebody win the Olympics, but that's a lot another story. He backs out of it. He did that like four times in this speech with different stories. What the hell could have been the end of that story? I saw what with the Olympic what? I mean, what was what do you think he was going to say there? Well, probably another lie. This is not <laughs> the first time he's 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 done that. We've witnessed him time and time again. He starts to tell these stories and he does that tactic. Well, it's 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 a long story. Uh, another time, a lifetime ago. It didn't happen to me. It happened to somebody else. I read about it in a book. Uh, so it's better. You can read it somewhere else. You know, I'm not going to finish the story. But this is what he does. I mean, one, he's he's mentally incapable of actually telling a story. The president of the United States in this modern era should be capable of communicating, of doing what we're doing here as laymen in this country, taking information, consolidating it, simplifying it, and, and getting that across to the American people. He cannot do it. And when he does actually complete a, a story... 99.9% of the time, it's a lie. And he, he he's, tells the same lies repeatedly. He tells the same stories that have been proven to be false repeatedly. Uh, Britt, you're going to like this one because I'm curious as to why he was making this point, and I have a theory. During the Civil War, be, before it was over, Lincoln started to build the Transcontinental Railroad. It was built at the end of it during the Civil War. During the Cold War, Eisenhower built the interstate highway system, transforming the way Americans lived. So Biden just got off of a, a, a conference with Putin yesterday, and suddenly he's trying, he's framing everything in terms of things that can be accomplished during a war. Does that send any messages to you, Britt? I think uh, I picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> Nice. And nice. Biden needs a little of this. This is Biden in the seat. This is what we need to do. Okay, you know, so we got to slap some sense into this man. Oh, you know, you've reminded I love me. how Leslie gets that last whack in as he goes by. Yeah, the nuns into it. I mean, that, that's what they do. But the Harry Krishna, I didn't realize that they were into violence, but apparently they are. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's it's it's. Oh my God. So. You get so so. This is the this is the progression of the the meeting yesterday. Two hour meeting with Putin. I told Putin blah 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 blah. Uh, and then as soon as you better not invade or else. And then his next order is, hey guys, prepare to get all the Americans out of the Ukraine. So so basically, what you're saying is that Putin's going to do what Putin's going to do, and that's exactly what's going to happen. We have a feckless leader who's who is weak. Really low in the polls and needs a distraction, needs a wag the dog distraction. We're going to war with Russia. It's going to happen because his people that are the ideologues within his administration, they think they are the smartest people in the room, but they are dumb, which makes them the most dangerous people on this planet. They think that they can reach back to the Kissinger era playbook 
start a war, distract. The Americans will, will patriotic, will come together, and then we will support the president. That's not going to happen. That, 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 that playbook needs to be retired because it doesn't work because we have social media. We know too much. We can see too much. We're too smart now. So it doesn't work. But they're going to go down that road because every other thing they've done is the old school playbook. So that's where we're going. We're going to war with Russia. Prepare for it. I am so fucking thankful my son did not sign on the dotted line for the army and decided to wait a year. Because this administration, this man, the Obama 3.0, they're going to get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Americans killed. It's coming. Get ready for it. Because they need a distraction. Because everything else they're doing is on fire. Hey, Vince, just write down for me, please. 18 minutes and 10 seconds is when we lost our G rating tonight. Just so you, we know. Um, <laughs> the leader you're talking about, Britt, that is going to take us that is going to take us into this possible war. I'm not ready to to uh, to uh, agree that that's it's uh, it's definitely happening. But this is the leader. Everybody, watch this collection of clips from today's speech. I made sure I was talking on his left ear because it was all he was down the hallway. Resident in the business uh, to. Uh, uh, as well. A similar bridge not far from here going to Kentucky. There was fear of failure and it collapsed. Look, as man, was, as man said, we're, we're in a situation where we've known under the leadership of mayors like, uh, you know, our mayor here. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. You got them just a mucked amount of damn of money, money to get you back to exactly what it looked like before. It's never going to go back to less rain because of global warming. But Nobel, 17 Nobel winners of the economics. Everybody talks about the price tag for this legislation. It pays for every bit of preschool and it pays for every bit of what we're talking about in terms of insulin. That's the man that's going to take us into a hot war with Russia, Vince? This man's going to have trouble taking somebody into a, taking himself into a hot bath. I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 this, it's a little bit of a follow-up to the original question that you asked me about the polling. You know, when, you're, when your numbers are, are in the tank, the, the usual way you get out, let's say we're going to, let's go address the nation. Let's go and, you know, let's go on tour and sell a great piece of legislation and, and make sure the talking points are what people want to hear. He can't get a talking point out to go save his ass. So you wonder why his numbers are as bad as they are. And, and I mean, that that's just, I mean, I, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. So how does anybody else have any clue what he's, what he's saying? It's just, it, you know, it, it's funny to listen to and then you know it's sad this is the leader of the greatest country in the world and this is what we've got and you're right he's gonna he's gonna take us into war no he, i no there's no way that he's gonna do it somebody else maybe pulling the strings here is trying to figure this out and and maybe you know that's the maybe that's the plan Britt. like you said let's go let's go let's go have a three-year war with somebody because this shit is not gonna it's not gonna have this is not happening for us this is this is unreal and and that's a, one more one more thing just about that. And you think about this with the, with the polling and with with his performance right now as president. 
You go back and, and obviously there was, you know, everybody said the things they said about Donald Trump. But even go before that, the, is, uh, you know, on Obama's worst day, it wasn't this bad. Uh, you go before that, they, you know, everybody went after George Bush about how terrible it was at the end of his, his second term. You know, what a terrible job he was doing. It, it wasn't anywhere near this this bad you know and, and and with this level of disrespect uh for for a person and, and this level of just complete incompetence it, it, it has never existed I, I i would i would dare say in the history of this country at the level that we're seeing right now there's a related story here uh that i was going to hold until later but i think this is a really good time to talk about it because uh, you'd think that the media would be all over this and they're not they're actually ignoring this almost completely. And uh, it's actually going beyond that because there was a story recently, Drew, that uh, says that Biden is actually getting worse media treatment than Trump. This particular article, in which I have the headline up for, is, is, is actually refuting that uh, claim. But there is a serious effort to start a narrative suggesting that the reason Biden's numbers are so bad is because the media is being so unfriendly to him. If the media was being unfriendly to him, they would have done what we just did, which is play a collection of clips of him not able to spit out a word. Or they would have reported on, and this wouldn't even been being unfair, this would have just been being honest, reported on the Hunter Biden laptop. There's so many things the media could have done if they were not being overly fair to Joe Biden. Yeah, well, I mean, they're always desperate to come up with some false alternative reality to explain away either uh, the ill effects of their detrimental policies or, in this case, Biden's tanking poll numbers. Of course, it's not because the media is unfair. The media, in fact, has done everything they can to protect him and defend him. Um, you know, but when you watch a live stream of him talking, you know, once a month, they, they can't hide that. They can't hide it whatsoever. But I'm actually very, very concerned right now because it's one thing to fight the battle on the domestic front against inflation, against Merrick Garland, against the January 6th uh, show trial that's going on and everything else, the, the, the gas prices. That, that's a battle we've got to win because America, as we know it, is, is going down many, many notches on the world stage. And in terms of our own uh, autonomy, energy independence, and, and success. But now you bring into the, to the fray a, a potential war with Russia, with China, who are looking to take advantage of a weak America. And the Democrats are assisting them in bringing about our suicide and making us defenseless and incapable of defending ourselves within our own country should that moment come. And that's what I see. I, I see us repeating history right now. And that's what, what's frightful to me. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday and the day before on the 80th anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And if you look at Nazi Germany, it was incremental, almost in the yeah. same way they have taken away our unalienable rights in incremental uh, uh, ways. But Nazi Germany, you know, they invaded Austria. The world washed and did nothing. They built up their military, in, in, you know, uh, which went against the, the Treaty of Versailles. And then they finally went into Poland and World War II began in earnest when France and Britain declared war on Germany. This is the same thing that, 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 that Russia's doing. Look, there are a lot of conservatives, my own uh, you know, counterparts out there that are, uh, that are you know, like me, that do all of this uh, punditry. And uh, they're out there saying, look, we don't wanna get involved. We shouldn't get involved in Ukraine's business. 
um, you know, another, uh, you know, war that endless war. But this is this is different. I would draw people's attention to what's happened. I would say war is coming because Russia is going to invade Ukraine. I, I actually don't think that 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 Joe Biden's going to do anything. He said he's not going to do anything in the past when they took over Crimea and annexed that region. It was a weak Democrat president, Barack Obama. He didn't do anything. But my problem is it's incremental. So they look, they step, they see what we're going to do in response and we're going to do nothing. And then we're going to be in a place just like World War II, where China takes Taiwan and they make an unholy alliance. And China to me is really Nazi Germany in this. They're the big dog. I mean, they make they make Russia look like nothing. They don't have anything compared to the resources, the military uh, might that China does. And so it's yet to be determined. But Russia is either, you know, a Mussolini situation or a Stalin situation. But at some point, you know, this is not the Taliban. This is not a fight in the Middle East that's an endless war. This is something that they're looking to gerrymander the entire world landscape while the Democrats are suing, you know, uh, Texas for gerrymandering their map. Great points. And you're right. This is far more significant than uh, than anything we face in, in our lifetimes, I would suggest. Uh, it's kind of tough to follow that with uh, with what I was going to play next. But I'm going to do it anyway, Britt, because one of the going back to going back to uh, this Biden speech, he has a tell when he gets lost and he has to kind of find his way back to what he's supposed to be talking about. And I took a quick uh, collection of what that tell is. Look and look. Look, 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 folks, look, look, folks, look, 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 folks, look, look. You know, so that's one of the things he does when he needs to kind of regroup his uh, mentally and figure out where he is in the teleprompter and all that stuff. Again, an embarrassment. But to Drew's point here, this is the type of stuff that Putin watches, that Xi watches, that King, Kim Jong-un watches, that whoever the hell the guy is that's running Iran watches. They're watching this stuff. Yeah, I guess that's his that's his version of my whatnot. Yeah, pretty look, close. Look, what not? Look, look, yeah. look, what not? What not? What not? Um, I want to. I want to circle back to the media thing. Uh, I, I did put up that one. That one headline that I quickly flipped out. Um, so just uh, two days ago, I think it was. I mean, and and and, and White Houses do this. They 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 do. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Um, off off record. Uh, information giving and it's basically to educate the reporters so they have all the right information but that's not what the biden administration is doing they're they're trying to uh coerce the um the press pool into giving them good uh good uh uh, uh, uh reports and squash everything um biden is not getting it's so funny because if you do if you take the last couple days of or a couple of uh, the last week of reports on Biden, there are a lot of bad headlines. It's because he's on fire. The whole administration, everything they touch is on fire. So those headlines are correlated with subject matter that's on fire. If you go back to Trump, 90% of the headlines were lies. So a reporter would see an anonymous source lie report, and then the CNNs and MSNBCs and NPRs and ABC News and David Muir would they would grab it and they would run with it and they would they would do 24-7 for three days until the actual fact comes out and then instead of doing a big retraction they just shut up about it and move on to the next lie so Trump got all the lies Biden 
Every bad headline you see that is for Biden is actually 100% worse. The actual real fact of the matter is if, if ABC or CNN or MSNBC is putting a bad headline out about the Biden administration or whatever Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer are doing, it's 100 times worse because they had to be, kick, be dragged kicking and screaming to that, to that typewriter, not typewriter, a keyboard to punch in that article and hit send. Kicking and screaming. Trump, they were fighting over the keyboard to put in the lies. So Biden still gets better treatment by the press because if everything was on fire for Trump, think about what it would be like with the press. Hell, I would be on board with them. But they were lying back then. They're not lying now. And the Biden administration is getting what's fair. I'll just make a quick point, Britt, then you can take it. Uh, but in, looking at uh, this methodology that was used for this so-called columnist Dana Milbank, who issued this article saying that uh, Trump was getting more favorable media treatment and Biden's is worse, they he used a uh, computer algorithm that is faulty, uh, according to the people that are refuting this. But here's an example of one of the articles how they how they measured this. One of the articles uh, was considered um, to be a neutral article to President Trump. And it was a story <laughs> that was uh, on the Trump GOP efforts to undermine democracy. But that was considered to be neutral, so that's more favorable yeah. to Trump. I mean, that's the type of, of idiocy that's going on here, but at least it's being called out. But that didn't stop MSNBC, CNN, and all the other usual suspects from uh, from talking about this and running the story. Right, and, and, and here's another thing that's really sad, and it was interesting because Bannon broke this down. I was listening to Bannon. He was on Tim Pool last night. He broke down the CNN thing. CNN has low numbers on their network, but their YouTube numbers are massive, and that's because YouTube puts them on the front page. They get Their clips get hundreds of millions of views spread around the, 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 the world of YouTube. So they still have big reach with their lies. So don't just because they have low numbers on their network doesn't mean they don't have reach. Uh, to people who are just casual observers of politics as it rolls by. All right, so I'm into us. Since we were talking about polls earlier, uh, 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 I'll go with Vince. I'll start with you, Vince. Um, so uh, I ran across this little gym this morning. Hispanic voters shift towards Republicans now split evenly between both parties, poll says. Um, and this is, a, I think it's Wall Street Journal. Uh, basically, 37% vote for Democrat and 37% vote for Republicans. Vince, I, 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 I'm try I, I tried to do a quick search before the show. I can't remember what the Republicans normally pull on the Hispanics, but it was nowhere near 35%, right? Wasn't it less? Uh, yes, it, it certainly has. Been. Historically, it has been. It has been much less. And um, what, what we're finding out is... Um, Listen, it's it's this has been an evolving uh, type of uh, type of uh, voter demographic for for a, a long time now, and and what people are finally I, I, the Republicans have actually done a good job at this. You have to stop thinking of oh we're going to poll Hispanics as if they're a monolithic group, and they're not. Uh, you have you have a very diverse group of of Hispanics from from a lot of different countries, and and once. They, the Republicans started to figure that out. They found out that, you know, uh, uh, Cuban, uh, Cuban Americans, uh, Puerto Ricans, uh, 
there's uh, it's, uh, some uh, uh, Hispanics who are from the South America uh, type areas of Colombia and Venezuela. When they when they do come to this country, they find out that family is very important to them. Uh, they have deep religious uh, 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 convictions, and these are all principles and values that start lining up with the Republican Party. Now, if you ask me, it took the Republican Party a little too long to come around to make that connection, but they're starting to make that connection. The other thing you're starting to see is you're getting to the next generation of of Hispanics who have been in this country. And as those generations grow and they they've been here longer, you've you've have things affecting them like like you once you get into the second, third generations, you start to see some sustaining wealth among the generations. They're affected all of a sudden by things like the death tax. Uh, where where they're not able and they want to be able to, to the money that they've worked hard to make they now are in a position where they want to move it and move it on to the next generation and and guess what lo and behold all of those are very republican principles and republican ideals that it turns out that i i'd say that even if it, they're showing 50 50 now that's still a a number that's underrepresenting what it actually could be if you actually drill into the different uh, the different groups and demographics and republicans do a better job of getting the message uh, to those folks Right. So, so Drew, um, going further in this article, it says uh, if the uh, blah, 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 Hispanics were also divided nearly evenly on the question of a 2024 presidential rematch uh, in an identical election between Biden and President Trump. Forty four percent stated they forty four for Biden, forty three for Trump. Hispanic men were solidly behind Trump, while Hispanic women were more likely to back Biden. Uh, and then it says you see in this poll that there's a group of Hispanic men who were without a doubt. Uh, enticed by Trump and have become more Republican. So I just looked. Uh, Biden got 60-something, a little over 65% of the Hispanic vote. Hillary Clinton got 66% of the Hispanic vote. Now they're showing that Biden would only get 43%. That's a pretty good drop there. Um, are we going to see uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden down at the border personally building that wall to, to, to stop this flow of um, – uh, Republican voters? No, <clears throat> no, of course not. I mean, they need to import these third world voters who come here and can't tell the difference or appreciate uh, the values of America. So, you know, the people that are first generation who come over here for the freebies and, and are wholly dependent upon the welfare state, and that's the primary reason that they come here, those people do vote Democrat. But I think the point is, when you have sub subsequent generations that are in the United States of America, those people realize because look hispanics largely look they're religious they're catholic they're very very conservative actually when it comes to social issues uh those things that the liberals have traditionally made headway with in the united states whether it's gay marriage and other things like that i'm not making a position on that but i'm just saying that it's hispanic voters who are actually very very conservative about those things and so i actually think that that those poll numbers are inaccurate I think that more Hispanic voters than, than what is even presented there have actually shifted towards the Republican Party. I mean, we even saw this in 2020 at those border towns in uh, Texas, for example. For example, I mean, they skewed largely uh, for Donald Trump, and the Democrat Party did not expect that. Yeah, JV, do you want to touch on any of this, I, or do you want me to change subject? Uh, yeah, I just also mentioned that uh, this year, 2021, there were some mayoral elections along the, the Texas-Mexico border in which uh, Republicans did very, very well in very blue areas. So, 
it's I think that's got Democrats really, really nervous among the many other things that Democrats should and are very nervous about as they look at polling and they head into the midterms here. What I don't understand is why they don't change their course. They look at this stuff and they recognize people are whole wholly rejecting it. Yet, what do they do? They try to push harder, push faster, and push more radically. That's their answer. That's what they did in in, uh, 2014 when Obama was in office. That was the bloodbath year, wasn't it, Vince, 2014? Where we picked up, Uh, Republicans picked up like 63 seats, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, But that was the response to Obamacare, where they pushed it without a single Republican vote against. Uh, the, the screaming opposition by all Republicans and many independents. They didn't want this government takeover of health care. So what did they do? They did it anyway. They used parliamentary tricks to do it, and they got voted out. Now, I guess they're in it for the long haul because here they are back in charge again, and they're just doing the same thing again, Brett. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, so Vince, moving on, subject change, er, Albuquerque. So I ran across this little gym. Um, so I, this is baffling me. Uh, it's not really baffling me, but it's scary to me that more people aren't up in arms over this. The founder of the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a controversial election oversight group heavily backed by Facebook, Mark's, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, is a former fellow at the Chinese regime-funded Ash Center, which has also advised Chinese Communist Party officials sanctioned by the U.S. government for human rights and abuses. Why do these people... Keep coming out of China. They're all connected to China. And then these big tech Mark Zuckerberg type types, they keep funding the Chinese regime. Do these effing morons and big tech not realize as soon as China takes over, they're off with their heads. They're going to disappear like Mao did. Yeah, right. Good point. Um, yeah, this is this is where I honestly believe you get when you, especially when you get in the tech space. These guys, it's like it's like nobody's, and I appreciate everything that they their knowledge of technology and what they've been able to do. You have to give a give props to that, but it's like some some they've never cracked a history book, and they're they're too enamored in the tech side of what China brings to the table. And and not only that, if you if you think about you know I'm going back to. Uh, Early turn of the century, right, where the books that were coming out were things like uh, uh, was the the world is flat, right? Uh, Thomas Friedman and the talk about you know here's this is the world we have to create. It's all about China. It's all about how China is doing this and that and everything else. And they're doing it right now. You got guys like Zuckerberg who grew up during that era and have created their 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 entire industries with this mindset of my God, China's the end all of all when it comes to business and how to do it. And these guys never look at the historical or even the the human rights end of this thing at all they just look at it from a pure dollars and cents black and white i mean you know a guy like zuckerberg uh, you think about some of the other the tech guys and, and not the not to just uh, you know point at him only but these guys are like like honestly they, they always strike me as the, these tech these tech gurus as like these soulless individuals who only understand like you know the mathematical equations that the algorithms that work out in the back room that nobody can nobody else can figure out about how facebook works right but he's able to figure that out and what that does is it gives him this very simplistic approach to, to business. Oh, this works. And he could care less that the, that the, the guy he's partnering with is attached to the Communist Party of China. And he probably doesn't even understand what that means from a political or even a, a 
you know, socioeconomic standpoint. He just understands that, you know, two plus two is four. And I'm going to push forward with this guy because this is the guy I should be doing business with because I read a book back in, you know, when I was in high school that said, this is what we all should be doing. I, I really believe, I really believe it's almost a desensitized type of reaction to the whole thing. Has to be, has to be, right? Interesting. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I didn't even think of it from that standpoint, but yeah, very interesting. So, Drew, so back to this little uh, this little gym. For people that forgot, forget. I mean, now that we know this guy is connected to the Communist Party, the the being run by Xi, uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Life used hundreds of millions of dollars from the Facebook founders organization. Uh, the and how funny the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative to overrule local election officials. An increased turnout in almost exclusively Democratic districts. Uh, the partisan uh, conflict, uh, which was a, which was proving the partisan conflict of interest. Leaders from the CTCL <clears throat> overpowered and overruled local election authorities, and through coercion, assessed mail-in ballots ahead of the election. Accessed mail-in ballots ahead of the election. So they they cheated, but they're using. China is involved in our elections is what I take from this. How scary is that? Yeah, it's frightening. Uh, it's not news, though. I mean, to me, um, China has been on this track and trajectory for uh, more than a decade. They have been infiltrating our institutions. They've been infiltrating Congress and look, there's no doubt, for example, we'll get silence for this, but I'll say it because it's true. But, you know, we still haven't resolved the fact that Joe Biden um, is beholden to the communist Chinese regime via payments, via Hunter Biden. And the reality is it's not just Joe Biden. It's likely Mitch McConnell. It's certainly Fang Fang who got bang banged by, uh, what's his name, uh, Eric Swalwell, and, uh, well, and all sorts of people. Mac, I mean, um, Dianne Feinstein, her driver for 20 years, was a Chinese spy. Um, these are red flags in this country. And I am telling you right now that if you were to investigate Congress, you would be, the American people would be shocked at how many of our congressmen, how many of the people who are supposed to serve this country are compromised by the communist Chinese. This has been a long game by the Chinese. Uh, they've done it in many other ways as well. If you look at the NBA, rem remember the John Cena story? Remember John Cena went over and he was promoting one of his new films in China and he made a statement. It wasn't official or anything like that, but he referred to Taiwan as an independent state. And immediately, immediately what happened? He went on Chinese television and in Mandarin, I believe it was Mandarin, in Mandarin, yeah. he apologized. And he said he didn't mean to offend China. You know, he bowed down, he bent over and took it up the you know what from Xi. And, um, and that is how powerful China is. Just think about this. China has such influence over Hollywood and John Cena, this big tough guy, that he could get an, a text message or get across to the, the company that was, you know, the pr production company of that movie and get John Cena to go on and bow down to Xi and change his, his, his you know, and, and apologize. If they can do that to John Cena, they're doing that in, in Congress as well. That's the sick reality that we have to face. Yeah, JV, uh, comment on any of that. Take it wherever you want. Back to you. Well, I, I, this is this is this is the biggest issue of our time. This this truly is this this relationship with China because it's not only uh, become um, dangerous from a from a uh, 
I guess just a military standpoint, as we see, we, we did a story the other night about China spends 50% more now on its defense budget than all of the Southeast Asian cooperative comp- countries combined. That includes Australia. 50% more than all of them combined. They don't spend as much as us yet, but they're getting damn close. And they're doing it with our money. That's the problem. They're doing all of this with our money and our technology. We have to get to the point where we do two things. We force a repatriation of of assets and manufacturing and, um, I guess, business activity from China back to the United States. I'm going to start talking about things I really don't have an understanding of, but... The intention is is I think is appropriate, but we have to remove them from our list of favored nation trade partners. They can no longer be given that luxury. We've got to start penalizing using both a carrot and a stick approach for companies that are American companies that are doing much of their business in China, doing almost all of their manufacturing in China, and uh, then selling us cheap goods. This is no longer about plastic dog shit coming from China. This is now about national security. And to prove a point, uh, one of the stories I've got here is exactly about this. It's just revealed that Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, signed a secret agreement with China that promised in exchange for their markets remaining open to Apple that Apple would help the Chinese Communist Party uh, improve their business um, acumen and their technology among companies, Chinese companies throughout China. And and Apple has been doing this. Apple has been guiding Chinese companies in uh, improving their technology, giving them, I would assume, uh, secrets in some fashion so that they can stay uh competitive i guess in the chinese market which is now the second largest market for apple in the world we have we have the ceo of the biggest i think they're still the biggest company in the world are they not or did microsoft surpass them i'm not sure they're one of the top three and they're certainly one of the most influential signing a secret deal with the chinese communist party to help them that's treason that's traitorous And that's what's going on. And Drew's right. We probably find a lot of this in Congress. We know that there's a lot of this going on in higher education, particularly in science departments throughout our, our country. This has to stop. And this is not going to take be able to be done with kid gloves. This is going to have to be some tough love all the way around. We need Donald Trump because Biden ain't going to do it. We need a Donald Trump type or DeSantis type that can actually drop the boom. China cheats, China steals. China is where it's at because they stole everything from Western countries, mostly us. Yeah, and China's where they're at. I just, just, I just want to point out, uh, Lost Mom in our Foxhole chat mentioned this was signed four or five years ago. It was a five-year deal, and it was signed, I think, four years ago, and it's just now being revealed. You know, I, I obviously, the McCarthy era, where they were hauling people up to Congress to testify about whether they were communists or not, and the big red scare during, that was, that was, uh, that was misguided. However, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that we don't need something similar in the sense that we need to root this out of our system. We cannot have uh, the Chinese Communist Party putting spies into the office of congressmen and senators and and offering uh, honey traps and all that stuff. It can't continue. It can't continue. Uh, were you handing this off to me? Was I supposed to do something next year? I was. Yeah. I, mean, I can go around again if you want me. Yeah. To, why don't you go ahead? I'm too worked up about this. You? Well, I'm going to, uh, okay, we're going to switch gears again. 
Uh, I'll start with Drew on this one. So I have uh, I have uh, uh, about a minute video here, and then we'll talk about it on the backside. I just don't understand how it gets to the point well, where thing, things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. Responsibility to get yourself and your family and indirectly then the community protected. So I would prefer, and we all would prefer, that people would be voluntarily getting vaccinated. But if they're not going to do that, sometimes you've got to do things that are unpopular, but that clearly supersede individual choices and are directed predominantly at the communal good. So true. Peterson laid out exactly how totalitarianism works and what we're witnessing right now. We are witnessing this the last, well, if you can go back years probably since the 60s forward, but really ramped up the last couple few years, Antifa, Black Bloc, Black Bloc, you know, pushing forward, backing off, pushing forward, backing off. But Fauci is doing the same thing with this COVID thing. And now, now he is actually out of his mouth, is coming, and we're going to make you do it. Yeah, I mean, we are witnessing exactly what Jordan Peterson described in our own lifetimes. Um, you know, Obama, for example, not too long ago, sat down with Bruce Springsteen and he admitted because of all this resistance we've seen, right? The Virginia, what happened there uh, with parents pushing back and, and you know, even Americans have, have woken up to the fact that asking for voter ID is not voter suppression. A majority of Americans support requiring voter IDs to vote, for example. But, you know, in response to this, this what you are alluding to, this really rapid change, this rapid assault on the constitution of this country and our rights and our freedoms, Obama said, well, you know, he admitted, maybe we've, we've moved too rapidly, you know, for a majority of the population. And that's an admission of exactly what we're talking about here. It has to be incremental, right? Everyone talks about the frog you're boiling in the water, right? It's gradual so that by the time the frog, you know, realizes that he's dead it's it's gone and we are very late in this stage there is hope though you know um you know it, the transformation of a country you know if you look at the communists if you look at Solinsky and all these marxists out there you know it's it, it's basically starts with a generation and so you're looking at roughly 15 years to fundamentally transform a country and destroy it in our case destroy this country and so what Americans have to understand is people are waking up. And I believe you can't rely on the media because they'll lie to you. But we who are speaking here today, the wisdom and insight that we've inherited from the founding fathers that runs through our veins, we are still the majority in this country. But the media doesn't want us to realize that because there's power in that acknowledgement. And so what we have to understand, though, is, OK, here we are. We're awake. We're having these important conversations about China, about the corruption in our government, about what they're doing to us, seizing our liberty. But it's going to be a battle that's not going to end tomorrow. OK, I mean, it's not even a 15 year war. I mean, the fight to save this country never ends. And right. It's like Reagan said, uh, you know, 
it's every generation's uh, responsibility to fight and preserve liberty. And that's what's happening now. And for too long, conservatives have lived up to the definition of conservative, right? We're quiet, we're silent, we're not, we're not looking to fight, but now we have to. And we can never forget what's happened to us over the last two years, but even longer, because if we ever relent, we become what Jordan Peterson is warning about, where suddenly we look back and we're three miles away. Yeah, Vince, anything you want to comment on that? Great point here. And, and you know, it's ironic. I was thinking I was thinking in the in the uh, same realm of, of Reagan. You know, it's been a while since we've had a leader where, you know, the buck stops here. All that line in the sand and we stand up for what we believe in and our principles, we push back. We don't trust the government. And this is, you know, these are, again, a leader who doesn't trust the government. That's the leader you want in a country like ours who says, no, you shouldn't rely on the government to tell you what's going on. You need to go out and you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps if if you're down you need to you know if in in the midst of crisis you have to find your information and and find out what you you believe as well and you just can't blindly trust and i think you know i i am a little optimistic that there's a generation coming up and you know right now we see them as the this woke you know ish generation and i do think there's some some issues that they're going to bring to the table that are going to be a little different i think they're going to you're going to see this millennial crowd um that that is going to be very you know they're going to be very conscious of of climate change uh they're going to be very uh empathetic uh to uh to to people and to causes and things like that but on the same thing same vein and i think I, we've had this conversation here before you know when, when all those uh when all those robin hood millionaires get their first tax bill they become republicans that day and you've got an entire this entire generation the one thing that that really is instilled i think in them is is they don't trust authority and that's going to be the turning point i believe is when that younger generation comes up and 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 starts to question authority and question the government again and say listen i'm just not going to i'm not going to take this for an answer just because you know we're not even talking about like you know we're not even talking about leaders at this point in terms of our president or congressional leaders or anything like that we're talking about you know uh, fauci who who you know sure he's got a title in government to to run things but but you know we take it as as gospel what he says and he's not even a person that's in an elected position that's not how this country works you know if sure he's been he's been put in an authority a, a position of authority but that doesn't make him a leader that doesn't make him a person that we're supposed to listen to and all fall in line behind and i think uh, what we'll do, what we'll, what we're going to see in this country is we are going to see that turning point. It is going to happen in that w within that next generation of, of uh, like I said, the, the millennials that are that are uh, when they come of age. I think it's going to be a, a huge turning point. But you're right, and, and we, we have to continue to push against it and and remember the back to those principles of Reagan and and leaders like him who who you know who got it right and uh, and and were you know again instill the fact that you know the buck does stop here to draw those lines in the sand and stand up for what you believe in and don't just take it because because somebody told you this is what you're going to do right jv so uh, expanding on vince's hope and glasses half full i am loving the fact that joe rogan has um for lack of better words red pilled there are more clips coming out of him just really asking hard questions of the left. And he 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 has the ability to reach. He has an 11 million people listen to him on a daily basis that are from all over the all over the spectrum of politics because it's a lot of MMA stuff and all the stuff that Rogan's done over his life, mm -hmm. the movies, the TV shows, etc. I have a little bit of hope that he is really making uh, inroads. Because if you go into his feed and read the comments from people like, 
I didn't know that. I actually looked it up. I thought Joe Rogan was people are engaging. And I think Vince and Drew are both onto something that we are the masses are starting to wake up. And at when do you think it's going to hit critical mass to where it just explodes? And then we're just over this crap. I, I wish I could say I was as optimistic as Vince and Drew. Um, I'm a little less optimistic. I'm hopeful, but I'm less optimistic. I, I thought there was going to be a silent majority that was going to sweep uh, this presidential election in 2020 our way. It didn't materialize. I mean, there, it was, there's, there were reasons. You can look in those numbers and see reasons for hope. But at the same time, I didn't think... I thought that silent majority would wake up and see this violence that was going on around the nation from Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all this other stuff and how incompetent Joe Biden was even during the campaign. And the silent majority would rise up and there's no way this man would be elected. And he was. That That's discouraging. The other thing is that um, we still have an education system that is telling kids America is poison. And they've been telling kids America is, is, is poison for 30 years. And that is just starting to display itself. That is just starting to rear its ugly head in our electorate. And that's scary, too. And it, 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 we, we have no hope if we can't regain control of education, if we can't start teaching how uh, exceptional America is and how important our founding documents and our principles are and everything they're based in. They don't teach those things anymore. As Reagan said, we've all referenced Reagan here. We use it, Britt, in the opening for our program, uh, the Patriots Roundtable, the quote where he's talking about um, every generation's obligation is to teach the next generation what it means to be free and how to preserve it. And if we fail to do that, we're going to lose it. And we have failed to do that. I only hope there's enough generations above or older than this, these new generations that can still write the ship. That's what we have to hope for. So I hate to be the uh, the doom and gloom guy here for a change because you usually accept that role happily. Um, but I'm a little pessimistic about it. The, you know, the trend only seems to go in one direction. Keeps pushing a little. You know, we've kind of referenced that. And then, then it backs up. But, I mean, Vince, you know, here just in the county of, in our county, um, how many years were the were the Democrats fighting to get a county manager? This is just a microcosm. And no, 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 for four, four decades, they finally got one. They finally, they pushed long enough and hard enough and they got one. And that's the way it happens right. everywhere. Right. Eventually they get what they want. Bigger government. Right. Right. So I'm a little pessimistic. So that's a great way to end the show. What I'm do you think? I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Get the hell out of my corner. It's my corner, not yours. Uh, I know. I'm sorry to step on your toes there. Do you got more? No, I, I don't disagree or, with you, JB, though. Yeah, I, go ahead, Drew. I, I, I agree full-hearted with what you said. I don't think you're being pessimistic. I think you're being realistic. Look, I'm 34 years old, and so I do represent, in some ways, that bridge of a generation. And so... I understand the fight that we have ahead. Um, I, I would I would point to Florida as a represent representation of where we are, the path forward, and the fight ahead. Florida is not a deep red state. It's not. Every time there's an election there, I mean, people win on these very very slim, uh, uh, they're very slim victories. It's true. And Ron DeSantis has, despite the fact that Florida may be 50, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, whether it's two points or three points, but it's not a, a vast majority, he's continued to double down on conservatism and those policies have worked. And so I look at America very much like Florida. 
Okay. And so I think that we all have to take the DeSantis approach and double down on what is right and also take the message to the American people. But you're right. It's not over. The, the battle goes on. I mean, the schools have been, you know, our indoctrination mills and everything else. But as long as we acknowledge that and realize that and admit that and are realistic about the landscape of the battlefield that we're entering, you know, then there's hope. But if we stick our heads in the sand, then there's no hope whatsoever. Well, uh, yeah, there's no sticking the head in the sand. You know, we all go down fighting if, we, if we're going down. Um, but, you know, talking about education in this this indoctrination mill, I mean, Biden is fighting hard and he probably is going to get some form of universal pre-K, which is two more years of indoctrination of our kids. That's what it is. That's all it is. It's it's another it's a, it's adding uh, what fifteen percent to the ranks of the union members, uh, the most powerful union in the country, and it's two more years of indoctrination, two more years that the government can separate kids from their parents. That's what it is. So we have to keep fighting. Uh, on that happy, cheerful note, Brett, I think we're ready to call. I do have more. Yeah. To, I have more tonight, but man, we hit we hit some pretty heavy topics tonight. So I don't feel like. I mean, I could go into you know the filibuster, and I could go into Janet Yellen, and I could go into the C C I A sex crimes that are now being revealed. We'll save it for another night. Okay. You alright sure. with that? You're the one with the power button, not me. Well, you have the power. All right. So uh, let's see. What do we? Uh, so Drew, where can people hear your podcast? Yeah. So podcast is the Drew Allen Show. Everywhere podcasts are available. The main ones are Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so the Drew Allen Show. And then I'm on the cesspool uh, of Twitter for for now, Drew Thomas <laughs> Allen. And then uh, all the writing and stuff I do for the publications, you can find at DrewThomasAllen.com. Terrific. And Vince, when are you going to start a podcast? I, mean, I think I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> You know, I think it's a little, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Okay. So, so Drew uh, come, joins the program today. He's, he moved furniture so that, so that uh, he could appease my uh, criticism of look, looking like he's, he's uh, uh, connecting from a prison visitation room. Uh, so he's, he's actually done. Drew or, or uh, Vince won't wear the, what was it? Barry Manilow shirt. What was that shirt that I was picking you on? No, no. Peter, Peter. Triumph. <laughs> It wasn't Barry Manilow. It was Peter Frampton. It wasn't Barry. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Barry Manilow. All right. So it's a Peter Frampton shirt that I made a comment. He won't wear that anymore. Uh, Sean uh, Frosch, the uh, Trump impersonator that we love having on the program, he won't be in front of the uh, the loud majority banner because I, I called it uh, Foghorn Leghorn. looked like Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. Leghorn was lying on his back. I'm really having an impact on you guys. I, I, I That makes me feel really, you really are. good. <laughs> Anyway, Britt, what do we need people to do? <laughs> well, we need them to smash like button, subscribe, um, you know, have some backups. Uh, if you're on Rumble, you might want to set up an account on YouTube, vice versa, because sometimes they don't work. YouTube, we're going to get nuked at some point, most likely. Uh, so we won't be there. So you might want that backup plan. Um, and send JV piles of gold. Oh, we're also on uh, we're also on uh, the, the podcasts everywhere, Apple, uh, Android, and Google platforms and uh thank you for the support uh we got another another person you know 99 cents a month thank you very much that adds <laughs> up does. that helps offset some of these costs that we have to deal with um i just got noticed that vmix is going up another five dollars a month of course everybody wants more money inflation apparently so uh but thank you for everybody's support and uh, yeah just smash like button share the videos uh, that helps us a lot and <laughs> 
<laughs> Oops, I, I'm not good with this mouse anymore. It's, it's all good. Anyway, Vince, thanks for being here. Drew, thanks for being here. We'll see both of you guys Always again really soon for sure. That's going to do it for tonight. Tomorrow night, uh, I'll be, I think, Britt, you have the night off. I'll be talking with... Um, Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember the guest's name, but we're going to be talking about COVID making men impotent. Is that what we're talking about? I think. Yes. I'm pulling it up now. I think. Don't say I'm pulling it up now when I, after I say, <laughs> what the hell's wrong Excuse with me you? While I uh, this out. Think about the words you're using, Karen please. Strahan. Karen Strahan. Karen Strahan. Okay. Yeah. Karen All right, Strahan? Perfect. Okay. Killed libido. She, yeah. She's, uh, she's actually, uh, She's actually a returning guest, so we'll look forward to that. Anyway, have a great night, everybody. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.